0: whoa, it is really dark. It's very dark. And that was for dramatic effect. Good morning, everybody. Man, hey, I, thank you. Insane. Um, listen, hey, I'm so excited to be with you guys, to see you this morning. It's winter break 2020, which isn't as good as, Somebody's really excited about winter break. It's not as good as spring break, but it's a break nonetheless, and those are always great. We're in week three of our hostel series where we've been focusing on the book of Daniel and looking at specifically the life of Daniel and some of the things that he went through, and one thing that we've continued to talk about week after week is just Daniel's faithfulness through everything that he's been through. He's tested uh, immediately, The first week we talked about it, he's tested immediately because he refuses to change uh, the way he's eating to eat the king's food. He perseveres through that. Last week he's interpreting this dream with his life on the line. And Daniel is just consistently faithful through it all. Now here's the really cool thing, guys, is when we're faithful in our walk, we don't just make an impact on our own lives, it doesn't go unnoticed. People begin to see things that are going on. And when Daniel was taken into slavery, he's taken from his homeland and he's taken to this place, Called Babylon. He's not there by himself. They didn't just pick him. They took lots of people, and we're going to be focusing on some of those other people this morning uh, in this story, and it's a story that you may have heard before, but I hope that we're going to look at it from an angle and from a direction that is going to apply specifically to where you guys are at in life. So this morning, we're going to be in Daniel 3, kicking off in verse 12. Daniel 3, in verse 12, it'll be up on the screens as well, but again, I'm gonna continue to encourage you every week. If you've got your Bible, man, please be sure to bring it because there is nothing like diving into God's word physically because it does make such a difference. The convenience of the phone is awesome, but man, being able to open it up and to highlight and to write questions and things like that, you really can't beat it. But Daniel 3 verse 12, where we're going to be kicking off this morning. So let me set it up a little bit for you. So Nebuchadnezzar, who we've been introduced to in the first two chapters, is king of the land, right? Nebuchadnezzar is like the baddest guy on the planet at this point because he's in charge of all of Babylon and Babylon pretty much runs the world at this point of history. Now what we've learned about Nebuchadnezzar so far is that Nebuchadnezzar Man, his emotions are all over the place. We left him in Daniel 2 where he's praising God because Daniel's been able to interpret this dream and he gives all the credit um, to the Lord. And so Nebuchadnezzar, praising the Lord, praising God, says Daniel's God does amazing things. And then literally you flip the page to chapter 3 and it says that, Nebuchadnezzar has built this massive statue of himself. Okay, so clearly he he hadn't allowed the whole God thing to completely take hold of his heart yet, but hopefully we're going to get there with Nebuchadnezzar. So he's built this massive image of himself that people are going to stop and worship. So when these horns and the sound of music goes off, the people of Babylon are to stop what they're doing and they're to get on their face and just bow down to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar is gonna sit there underneath the statue and just kind of soak it all in. He's got a little bit of an ego problem, okay? So it's time for this to happen. The music goes off, the horns begin to play. Everybody begins to bow down except for three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego which are phenomenal names, and I don't know why we don't use them anymore, okay? Who will commit to naming their firstborn kid a Bendigo? Amen. I love it, all right? So these are great names, but we've got these guys who are standing uh, firm in what they believe because they say, you know what, we're not going to bow down to what you have for us. Now, if you're telling a king that you're not going to do what he wants, it's not going to go over real well, and that's where we... Pick up the story. So, verse 12 right here. There are certain Jews whom you've appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in a furious rage. Notice when you see Nebuchadnezzar's name in scripture, guys, typically there's a really strong emotion that comes after it. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But it says, then Nebuchadnezzar in a furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? So Nebuchadnezzar is saying, look, I'm gonna give you another chance. Bow down, we're gonna be good to go. Just fall in line. But if you continue to stand against Me, and you're standing against what I've told you to do, we're gonna throw you in a fiery furnace, and let's see how big your God is now. Let's see if God can get you out of this situation that I'm putting you in. I love the answer we have from these three guys. Verse 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But then, verse 18, there's so much confidence in what they say right here, it's beautiful. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. So their response is look, we believe that God can deliver us from this, we believe that God can get us out of this situation. But if he doesn't, we would rather die than bow down to you. Like, I would rather die standing firm in what I believe than bow down to you. That's not going to make the king very happy. Spoiler alert. All right, here we go. Nebuchadnezzar uh, in verse 19 says, uh, Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, again, very emotional, and the expression of his face changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks and their tunics, their hats, their other garments, and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but if I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and their appearance of the fourth is like a son of the God's. Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace and he declared Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps and the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of these men. Their hair on their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel, delivered his servants who trusted in him, and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own. And then again, right here, I love that Nebuchadnezzar's heart is beginning to change. This might be a little bit to the extreme, but here we go. Verse 29, therefore I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn from limb to limb. Like, I don't think that he's getting, like, maybe we should try peace a little bit, Nebuchadnezzar. Like, because the whole violence thing really isn't working out for you. But now he has completely changed teams, and now we're going to tear everybody else limb to limb. It's just funny to me. Like, his heart's beginning to change, and yet his mental state of being a king and just conquering and killing people hasn't. And it's just funny. Okay, and their house is laid in ruins for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. The king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So it's an incredible story and so often we focus on the fiery furnace, right? Because that's a really big deal. Like you throw these three guys into this burning furnace and they live. Like they live to tell the tale They're not harmed. There's somebody else walking around in the furnace with them, which is crazy. But here's what I want us to focus on for where we're at with this series. And this is how I think it's going to apply to where you guys are at. The question that I'm hoping that we can ask ourselves today is, how will adversity shape my identity in Christ? How will adversity shape my identity in Christ? Because here's the reality, guys. If Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego weren't completely firm and set in their faith, at some point they're giving in. Like, they're not going to be able to continue this way because they've been up against it. Don't forget that they, too, were taken from their homeland, that they, too, were teenagers, that they're in this foreign nation, and now they're having to truly stand up for their lives. This is a huge deal. And so if they didn't know where their identity was rooted, they're gonna have a really big problem. And they're going to eventually give in because here's the one thing that we don't think about when we talk about this story. When we've got Nebuchadnezzar's rounded up the people of Babylon and they're bowing down to this statue. Don't think that the only Jewish people taken from their homeland were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They were brought over with countless others. So you've gotta think about where they're at. These three guys aren't just surrounded by people from Babylon, they're surrounded by people they grew up with as well. People who grew up the same way they did and now those people are giving in to what they're being told to do. Because their identity and what they believed wasn't as strong. So what we're going to try to find out today is what will adversity teach us about our identity in Christ. Because we're going to have moments of crisis. We're going to have moments of adversity. We're going to have big obstacles that come up. And if our identity is in anything other than Jesus, I want everybody to look at me. You are not going to get through what you're going through. It will be too much and you will give in. But if our identity is rooted in Jesus and it's rooted in Christ and that's where we find ourselves and that's what we know that we are, man, you're gonna be able to see the other side of what you're going through. Okay, so I'm gonna pray for us before we begin and I'm gonna pray that, man, if you're walking through this right now, that you would be able to walk out of here with a new idea of what identity is supposed to be and a new way of going about what you're going through. So let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much, man, for these students and leaders. God, I pray for them uh, daily. And I'm just so amazed at what you're doing through their lives. And God, the reality is that there's many of them that walk in here today carrying a lot of baggage, and carrying a lot of stress and a lot of frustration and confusion and hurt because they're going through something really difficult, and adversity is staring them right in the face. And they're digging deep into their souls, trying to find who they are through this. God, I pray that we would strip away all the other labels that we might try to put on ourselves throughout the course of a day and the other labels that the world tries to stick us to. And God, we would get to the core of it and we would realize that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God and that our identity can be found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that we don't have to use anything else to mask it. And God, if we can lean into that fact and we can believe in that hope, God, we can see through, um, man, this difficult time and this adversity that is in front of us and we can continue to walk because we know where we are found. And so God, I just pray that we would um, find that today, that we would either be reassured of it or that it would be a brand new um, thing that we discovered today. So Lord, we thank you for today. We give this time to you. It's your name that we pray, amen. All right, so... Here's the first thing that we're going to learn that adversity is going to teach us about our identity in Christ. And it's this idea. Feelings can't guide identity. Feelings can't guide identity. I think sometimes when we read scripture or we look at an old story, we we, we might look at it from a different lens because... You know, it was thousands of years ago that this took place. I mean, this is four to 5,000 years ago that this happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so sometimes the cultural lens and cultural context can change over time, right? Things can mean different things at different points of history. Let's be very clear. Being thrown in a fiery furnace 5,000 years ago just as bad as being thrown in a fiery furnace today. Like, I think we might look at this story and go, oh, well, it wouldn't have been that bad. Yes, it would have. Like, it's a fiery furnace in a medieval place. Like, first off, if you survive, think about the lockjaw and the tetanus that you're probably gonna get from this metal rigged thing that they've come up with in prehistoric Babylon. That's beyond the point. I'm a little bit of a germaphobe. But, Like, this was a big deal. This is a bad way to die. Nobody wants to die this way. When you are laying awake at night and you're playing that weird game in your head when you're like, oh gosh, I hope I don't die this way, this way, this way, and this way. Like, being thrown in a fiery furnace, probably gonna make the top five. This is not good. You don't want this to happen. And so, is fear probably creeping into the hearts of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego if we interviewed them? I would say, yeah. I would say, yes. Fear probably is showing up on the scene. Here's the key. The fear that they might have felt never guided a decision that they made. We can look back to certain instances where they're very clear of, look, you can do what you want to with us, but we're sticking to what we believe. Their identity that they found in their faith in God outweighed any emotion and any emotional reaction that they might have to the situation. They weren't going to allow this to guide them. They weren't going to allow what they feel in this instance to guide their decision-making. And then we look to the other end of the spectrum, and we're pointing it out as we're reading the story. Our guy Nebuchadnezzar lived off of emotion, right? He made emotional decisions from the beginning. He's filled with rage when he realizes that they're not bowing down to him. He's furious. They talk about his face changing, his face probably getting so red and he's so mad that these three teenagers won't do what he's telling them to do. And then we see the astonishment when they're walking around chilling, acting like it's a sauna that they're hanging out in, right? And then we still get the emotionally charged reaction where now he's so fired up about God and he can't believe what God is doing You know what? If you don't believe in God, we're tearing you from limb to limb and burning your house down. Like, this guy's crazy. He's nuts. But he makes emotionally charged decisions, and he was living based off of his emotions. His emotions guided his decision-making process. And as we can see from just one chapter in Scripture, his decision-making process is all over the board. Like he's everywhere. There's not a clear, concise thought that we get from Nebuchadnezzar. We're here, we're here, we're here, we're here. It's all over the place. And you compare that to the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where they were probably feeling the same emotions of they were scared and then you're mad, right? You're mad that you're in this position that you're gonna die for doing the right thing. And then, if I'm Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm coming out. I'm walking out of the furnace, untouched. You don't smell like fire, which is the worst smell to have attached to you. You walk out. I'm walking right up to Nebuchadnezzar going, I can't tell you what I would say because it might not be nice, right? You would be so mad. You'd be so angry and frustrated. You just want to go hit the guy. And they'd walk out and they're just praising the Lord. Like their identity was so grounded in their beliefs that emotions weren't going to guide any decision that they made. And I think if you and I are honest, I think this is something we struggle with because we don't always want to live in accordance to our identity in Christ. We don't always wanna fall in line with what we believe God has called us to do because sometimes God has called us to do something that nobody else is doing and we don't wanna be a part of that. Like there's sometimes we wanna go back to old ways of living and we wanna do things that maybe everybody else is doing that we know that we're not supposed to do And it can be frustrating. So we don't always feel like acting in accordance to our identity in Christ and we just wanna wave the white flag to whatever we're feeling. We just wanna go, you know what? I'm too tired, I'm too mad, I'm too frustrated, I'm too angry, I'm too sad to do any of this. But if we're striving for consistency in our lives and if we're looking for God to use us in mighty ways, we can't be guided by emotion. Is it, are emotions important? 100%. We have to have a realistic view of what's going on in our hearts. Some of us want to ignore emotions completely. That's not the answer either. We've got to understand what we're feeling And realize that it's real, but also realize that God's in control of our lives, not those feelings. So if we're going to get through adversity and we're going to stay firm in our identity with Christ, we can't allow feelings to guide our identity. But here's the second thing that can't guide our identity is circumstances. We can't allow circumstances to guide where we're at in life. Check out uh, the first verse that we read together today. It says, there are certain Jews whom you've appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. When a law is set, we are expected to obey the law. So if I peel out of here and I'm doing 70 miles an hour down Blue Springs Road, I'm going to get a ticket. Like, I'm going to get a ticket. It's going to be a super speeder. I'm going to lose my license and I'm going to have to sit through a defensive driving class again. All right, I've already had to do that one time. I don't want to do that again. So when laws are set up, when laws are established, we're expected to obey those laws. So everybody in Babylon is following this order that's been sent down from the king except for these three guys. So they decided that they were willing to go against the flow of the culture. Like, they just said, you know what? Everybody else is doing it. People we grew up with are now bowing down. These people that we work with are bowing down. We are going to stand firm in what we believe. Because if we allow circumstances to guide our identity, we're not going to know who we are. Because circumstances change, don't they? Your positioning in life changes, sometimes on a daily basis. Verse 12 tells us that these guys were in charge of a province in Babylon. So they're high up. Like They're not only risking their lives, but at worst, they're risking their jobs as well. Their lives are going to change because they are doing this in one way or the other. But if we try to find our identity through circumstance, sometimes life is gonna be awesome. And then there's sometimes when life isn't going well and life isn't going your way and you're looking at adversity and your circumstances are terrible, you're not gonna turn around and know where to look and where to fall back on. I love this idea because we talk about kind of this thought all the time here at HSM of, man, standing out, making a difference at your schools, right? Loving, leading, and listening to the community. And we talk about what that looks like all the time. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't try to be different. They didn't come up with this elaborate scheme of how they were going to Change Babylon and turn the king's heart to the Lord. So they didn't try to be different, but they were because they were true to their identity. And guys, when you remain true to your identity in Christ, you're going to be different and you're going to make a difference. It's amazing how simply sometimes it can play out when we just step back and decide that we're going to walk in faith and allow God to do the rest, like we talked about last week. And that's exactly what they did. These three guys didn't meet up and go, okay, man, we want Nebuchadnezzar to come to the Lord and we want thousands of people in Babylon to now know the name of our God. So what can we do? What can we do? Protest, protest. Uh, I got it. We're gonna stand up when everybody else is supposed to bow down. They're gonna throw us in the furnace, but we're gonna be, like they didn't lay this out. They stayed true to who they were and they walked in faith and allowed God to take care of the rest. That's what we have to do with our circumstances because there's sometimes we don't like where we're at and we don't like the things going on in our lives. Stay true to your identity in Christ and you will be amazed at how God can work through that particular circumstance and how God can change it. Here's the final thing that can't guide our identity and it's the consequences. In just a pure moment of HSM honesty, I like to think, man, I really like to think that I would have been standing with these three guys, right? And everybody bows down. We're standing there. Four best friends that anybody could have, right? And we're just hanging out. And then Nebuchadnezzar goes, I'm gonna give you one last chance or you're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. I would have been like, oh, man. Uh, I mean, is it really that bad if I said, that? like I would have really begun to think about it because consequences are scary sometimes. I don't know if you've ever been in a position where you've been looking square at a huge consequence and it can be really scary And fear can creep in and doubt can creep in because we don't want to be hurt. And we don't want to see people around us get hurt. But these guys just stay true to their identity in Christ. Although their their obedience was going to be life-threatening, they were going to allow God to take care of the rest. I love this quote from Charles Stanley. that says this, Obey God and leave the consequences to him. Obey God and leave the consequences to him. Like guys, if we just say yes to what God has called us to, take a step back and he's gonna take care of the rest. Say yes, take a step back and allow God to take care of the rest. We weren't meant to take care of the rest. These guys weren't meant to be the ones that were gonna save themselves from the fiery furnace. God was gonna take care of that. And I just want you to know in the circumstance that you're walking through, I don't know what awaits you and I don't know what you're having to deal with, but I know this, if you just say yes to God, he's going to take care of the rest. You don't have to worry about making the story fit. You don't have to worry about tying it together. You don't have to worry about making each puzzle piece of life fit together. God will take care of the rest if you just say yes. That's what these guys did. That's how they lived their lives. Is it easy? Absolutely not. Is it worth it? Absolutely. I love what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to the king. When he gave them this final ultimatum and this final opportunity to fall in line. And their response was simple. We believe that God's going to see us through and we believe God's going to protect us from what we're walking through. He's going to protect us from that furnace. But if not, I'd rather die staying true to what I believe than fall in line with you. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of freedom in that statement. And there's a lot of freedom and there's a lot of hope that you can find in your lives if we just embrace the idea that God was in control and that the alternative wasn't worth it anyways. Because in the grand scheme of eternity, which is what we are all heading for and destined for at some point, in the grand scheme of eternity, the alternative is never worth it. It never is greater than Jesus. And so my challenge to you, as you go into your winter break and you get back to school next week, trust that God's in control and trust that he's worth it. Trust that God is in control of your situation, that he knows the details of it, And trust that God is worth it. And that whatever else is awaiting you or whatever the consequence or circumstance or feeling is, it is never greater than Jesus Christ. I promise you that. And I can promise you that from just my own life where I have followed the things over here and realized that they don't do you any good anyways. They don't give you the fulfillment or the, peace that you hope that they would, but Jesus always does. Just pray with me. Father, I just, I pray for each student in this room right now. God, some are walking in dealing with real adversity they've got things going on in their minds and their hearts as we're sitting here talking today. They can barely focus because they're all over the place, worried about what's going on outside these four walls and worried about what they're gonna have to go home to. God, I pray for those that are walking through that right now, that they would believe that you're gonna see them through and they would believe that you're worth it. And that their identity that we can find in Christ isn't shaped or swayed by emotion. It's not changed by circumstance. And it doesn't live in fear of the ultimatum that might await us, of the consequence that might be knocking at our door. Because God, when we say yes to you, you take care of the rest. Father, may our yeses be on the table today as we walk out of here proclaiming victory over those things in our lives. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's your name we pray.